Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Been a good day so far. You got that extra hour of sleep in. And you still were late. I don't know what to do. It's like, man, like, where is everybody? And they all showed up. So you're good. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And I just want to uh, bring a couple things to your attention before I get into the word, because it's an important word. And I don't want to distract from it. Uh, first off, if it's your first time here, if you've been here for a long time, we would love to connect with you. And uh, if you're watching online, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, the best thing you can do is scan that QR in front of you. Uh, if you're watching online, there should be a link tree on there as well. And we'd love to connect with you. And so if you could just fill out that connect form, we'll send you a gift in the mail just for saying thank you for being here or joining us. And we'll get you more information about the church as well. Um, also, uh, we want to bring your attention to we are doing worship um, auditions. That's coming up. Uh, I think we have a slide for that, so keep me going. So that, that's, this is what happens, right? You do it all yourself. We need lots of people. Uh, so we're doing worship auditions Friday, November 17th uh, here at the church. If you want to sign up for auditions, just go and scan that QR code. Again, or you can talk to Christian. He'll get you signed up. Uh, we, we always we make room for people, okay? We always make room for people. So if you feel led to do that and you're like, man, I know that God's given me a talent and I want to use it for him, uh, just come sign up for auditions and we just bring people into the, into the presence of God. That's what we do. We're not about performance. We're about presence. And so this is what we want to do. Uh, so that's it for all the announcements this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to a couple passages. Um, in your Old Testament, uh, turn to Deuteronomy 22. And then we're also going to spend quite a bit of time um, in Colossians something. Colossians 3 as well. So Deuteronomy 22, Colossians 3. That way you just got your finger on it. Um, so we just sang that song, Come Lord Jesus, Come, right? We sing that and we mean it. We want Jesus to come back. But the question I have is, what's he going to find when he comes back? What's he going to see of his church when he comes back? Is he, is he going to see his church the way that he wants his church to be, which is radiant, without spot, without blemish, without any wrinkle, is she radiant and beautiful? Is she, is she a bride adorned for her husband? The church is known as the bride of Christ. And for some of you men today, this, this message is going to have a lot of bride analogy to it. But I want you to understand that you are even the bride of Christ. Like you are, are his and we are him and, and, and we are his. And, and so I pray that today as we, as we move into this, that you listen that you hear, that you understand. Today's message is really for those who are believers. If you're not a believer today, just I pray that as you hear this message, that it would be 
an opportunity for you to count the cost. Because there is a count, there is a cost to following Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's, it's, there's nothing like it. Jesus has some requirements. To come to him, zero. You just come to him, you give your life to him. But once we become his children and once we give our life to him, there are some things, some expectations. And I want to open those things up to you today. And this isn't a legalism kind of message today, so please hear my heart. I, I don't want to bring condemnation toward anybody. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, no. I don't want to call you out. I want to call you up today. And this is what God's wanting to do. He's wanted to call you up to a higher purpose. He's wanted to call you up to who he's created you to be. He's calling you up to say, come on, I've made you for better than this. I've made you for more than this. Church, it's time for us to get up and to be who God's called us to be. This world is hurting. This world is lost. This world has no light. We're the light. And so today I pray that, that this, this message challenges us to be the light to live pure, to live undefiled, and to be his church. The passage we're reading from is 1 Peter 1.13. And this passage reminds us of, of who God has called us to be. This has been the, the passage for the whole series that we're in called Set Apart. And God has called us to be set apart as his bride. He, he longs to come get us. He's waiting for the day for the father to say, son, go get him. Go get your bride. Go get your church. And a few weeks ago, I got to be a part of a beautiful wedding ceremony of some people we love. I'm not going to name them. That may not or may not be in this building. But I was, I was just overjoyed by the groom's reaction. And I've been to a lot of weddings, and I've seen a lot of reactions when the bride comes down and the groom's face. A lot of it's tears in the groom's eyes. A lot of it is uh, just a smile. Sometimes you don't know, right? But this time when, when she walked in, he was just like, <laughs> big smile, super excited. And, and, and I think that's how Jesus is with this church. He's just, he's waiting for us to come. He's like, yes, it's time. It's time to go get the church. And that's how he sees his church. And that's why we need to be ready for his coming. And this is, why G, this is why Peter reminds us as the church of this in 1 Peter 13, because the time is coming. He's coming back for his church. Either way, if you go see him when you pass on this earth or he comes back for us, this passage is for us today. And he goes, so prepare your minds, church, for action. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live. As God's obedient children, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy as I am holy. I want to read this passage out of a different translation, the New King James Version. And it goes like this. There's some wording here that we don't really use anymore, but I think it opens up this idea of preparing our minds. It starts this, it goes, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. For some of you, you have no idea what gird the loins means. So what gird the loins means is back in that culture, they all wore robes. They had, they had long robes. They didn't have pants. 
Some people did, but most of the time they had robes. And so when they were getting ready to fight or getting ready to run or getting ready, prepared for something that's coming at them, they would do what they call as gird the loins. And so they would take the robe and they would tie it and make like shorts out of it. Okay. And that's called girding the loins. And so Peter is telling us here, get ready for battle. There's a battle coming for your mind. There's a battle coming for your faith. Always be ready. Prepare your minds. Think about these things. Think about what's, what's important. Prepare your minds for battle because the battleground is in your mind. Prepare your minds for battle. Be sober. Meaning all of your cognizance is, is focused on Jesus. Be sober-minded. Don't be caught. Don't be distracted. Don't be influenced by anything else. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For us believers, that is our motivation. We have hope in the future. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope that he is coming and that he has revealed himself to the world through his resurrection. And we get to look forward to that resurrection in ourselves. And because of this, because of this, he says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. You're called to a higher purpose. You're called to higher things. Don't be conformed but be transformed, right? That's a passage. Don't be conformed to the, the things of your own lusts like, because you were ignorant of what God had for you. You didn't taste God. You didn't, you didn't know who God was. But for those who know Jesus, you've tasted and you've seen that he is good. There's nothing like him. And, and, it, and everything else fails to compare. And so he's saying, focus on Christ. Be obedient. But he who has called you is holy, so you must be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. I want to pray right here. Father God, I thank you for this message today. I thank you for these people. God, this is hard, but God, it's good. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to purity. You've called us to, to beauty. You've called us to cleanliness, God, in our hearts and our souls. And God, I pray that this church, our church, the church that you died for, God, would be radiant and beautiful and ready for the day that you arrive. God, I pray that you would cleanse us today, that you would show us everything in our lives that is not from you. God, everything in our house, everything in our minds, everything in our hearts, God, that needs to go. And God, that we would have the courage to throw it out and live pure lives for you. God, let us be sober-minded. Let us be ready. Let us come to you for all that we need and nothing else. Lord, I pray that you'd open the ears to hear, the eyes to see, and the hearts to receive, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we are talking about holiness, and holiness is also purity. I'm talking to you today primarily about being pure. Like I said, it's not, it's not legalism. It's about purity. It's about holiness. How is God wanting his church to be? How is God wanting you to be? He's wanting you to be pure. He's wanting me, you to be completely and utterly devoted to him because he is completely and utterly devoted to you. When he says, be holy as I am holy, he's saying, I'm completely devoted to you and I'm just asking you to be completely devoted to me. I want you to be devoted with all of your heart towards me. So purity is to be set apart and it's to be set apart for, for him. It's to be set apart and pure, undefiled, devoted to God and his kingdom. That's what purity means. And so with that, I want to talk to you about the principle 
of purity today. In the Old Testament, when God was trying to get his people into the promised land, he gave Moses these set of laws, these set of rules. And I don't know about you, but if you've studied the Old Testament and you get to some of these laws and some of these rules, you're wondering why on earth did he give them these things? These don't make sense. They're so weird. They're so out of our culture. Now, you have to understand that when God gave the Israelites these, these, these civil laws and these uh, religious laws, it was for a purpose. It was not only a physical purpose, but it was also a very spiritual purpose. And when you look in the Old Testament, all the feasts that God asked his people to do had a spiritual meaning. It was a reminder of what he's done for them and what he's going to do for them. And all the laws and all the rules that he gave these people not only uh, helped them become better, but it also was a spiritual uh, shadow of what was to come. And as a spiritual shadow of who he wanted these people to be. He was teaching these people to be pure. He was teaching these people how to not become like the very people that they were going to enter into the land of. The people they were entering the land of were wicked. They, they worshiped idols. They, they did witchcraft. They sacrificed their kids to Baal. They did all these things. And God's saying, when you go in, I want you to be completely different from them because you are my priests. You are my representatives. You are here to show the rest of the nations who I am. And so he gives them some of these laws. And some of these laws, like I said, don't make sense at first, but I'm hoping to open up a couple to you. And that's the one in Deuteronomy 22 because I feel like this passage is for the church because we often try to mix things in our faith. And so Deuteronomy 22, 9, 11 says this, you must not plant any other crop between the rows of your vineyard. If you do, you are forbidden to use the grapes from the vineyard or the other crop. You must not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. And then you must not wear clothing made of wool and linen woven together. Now, at first glance, you read those, and you're like, why can't I wear two different cloth? I mean, I'm wearing two different cloths. This is polyester and cotton. Is, am I going to hell? Is, like, God mad at me? Like, what is, what is the deal with this, this law? What is the deal with these things? Like, don't, don't yoke an ox and a donkey. Why is that so bad, right? Don't, don't, don't put other crops in the same field. Why is that so bad? I want to open these spiritual realities to you, this purity that God is talking about. Because like I said, God is telling the Israelites, keep things in order. Keep things pure. Don't mix things like the people that you're going in their land that you're going to take. God has called them to be set apart. He's called these people to be royal priests, to be a kingdom of priests that represent him to the world. And so the context here that Jesus, that God is trying to get over to his people is purity in all things. He's saying mixing things doesn't enhance or benefit anything. In fact, when you mix things, it tends to defile. It tends to make it unpure. It tends to make it unholy. And so he's telling these people, you can't mix the common with the uncommon. You need to realize the difference. He told the priests, like, I'm going to teach you to what is common and what is uncommon, what is holy and what is common. He's saying, this is your assignment. I'm teaching you what is holy and what is common. And the believers, we need to understand what is holy and what is common. God has called you to be holy, but so many believers live like they're common. God has called you to be set apart, but, but so many believers live like they're not set apart. So here's the contrast. He's saying, understand the difference. Know that you can't mix what is common and uncommon. You can't sow two different things in the same soil. 
and, and, and expect a good harvest. It will defile the soil and the crop. See, as a believer, we are to plant our lives in the vineyard of righteousness. And the soil of our lives should be, should be the vineyard of righteousness for God. And God is the vine. Jesus is the vine that we have. And then when we do that, we're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Too many of us try to, try to plant the seeds of unrighteousness and the seeds of righteousness expecting a, a, a crop of righteousness. What he's saying is those things are going to choke each other out and they're not going to be good for anything. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like, like you can't plant two different things and expect the same. He's like, it's going to defile. One's going to defile the other. He's saying you can't do works of unrighteousness and works of righteousness and expect God to say it's all good. I, I see way too many believers live up to that lie. People want to live in this world and still reap in the next. I was talking to somebody this week. And I was asking them about the Christian faith. It's like, hey, when I say the word Christian, what do you think of? And she told me, well, religion. She told me uh, just kind of some experience. She wasn't raised in church. She didn't really know a whole lot. And, and then I said, well, what about your experience with Christians? People say they're Christians. She says, well, they're kind of mixed. And she goes, but there was somebody in my past who went to church, and he was kind of abusive, and he said this, I know I'm doing all the things that are going to send me to hell, but at the last minute, I'm going to ask for God's forgiveness. It's going to be okay. And, and too many of us, we don't outright say that, but we live that way. See, St. Augustine, uh, if you know anything about church history, I love church history, but St. Augustine was a priest in the 300s, and he came to faith late in life, and he's known for coining this phrase, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Meaning, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. I still have things I want to experience. I still have things I want to do. God, I still want to, I still want to chase women. I want to go out. That was his thing. He was a womanizer. He's like, Lord, I want to go after women. I want to experience all this great stuff. Then you can purify me. And you can't have it both ways. You either have one foot in the world or you have one foot in God. Either way, you're not going to be there. You're not going to get to any place. You're not going to reap anything. Too many of us are like that. Like we expect God to bless our disobedience. And he's saying you can't plant crops in the same field. You can't do that. You have to either be all in or all out. So what about this mixing of animals and cloth? What, what is this thing about? Why can't we mix linen and wool together? Why couldn't they mix linen and wool together? Well, linen and wool are two different fabrics. And linen was a sign of purity back then because the priests would wear linen clothing to serve in the, in the Lord's house. So they, when they went to the temple, they would put on linen clothing. They, it was called the ephod, and so it was made out of linen. It was, it was, a, it was a symbol of purity. Cotton was a very, very common thread. Like you would wear that around the house. You'd wear your pajamas, right? Cotton pajamas, right? These are things that you wear around very common things. And he was saying, you can't serve God with the common. You have to serve God in purity. You can't come to God in these common ways. You have to come to God in purity. And he was telling these people, don't mix the two. When you try to mix the two, you're not, it's not going to produce anything. 
See, wool was common fabric used for daily use, and linen was for holy use. God was setting a spiritual principle here of purity. Again, he's saying don't mix what is common with what is uncommon. Don't mix what is set apart for holy use. That's what the linen was for, for what is for daily use. And he says, you are created for more. Believer, you are set apart for holy use. Maybe you don't realize this or not. If you've given your life to Jesus, he has set you apart for holy use. You are a saint. (laughs) And you don't have to die to become a saint. You are a saint as soon as you give your life to Jesus. You are set apart for, for, for holy use. And I, and I pray that we hear Paul's words today in Colossians chapter 3. He's reminding us that we are set apart. He's reminding us that we uh, are to put on fresh clothes, that we are to take off the old common clothes and put on these clothes of righteousness. The, the, we are to take off the death clothes and to put on clothes of life. Colossians 3 1 is a beautiful passage. Paul's telling the church here, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. This mirrors 1 Peter, not the things of earth for you died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ. When you give your life to Jesus, you say, God, I'm dying to this life. This old life is dead. I'm being raised to new life in Christ Jesus. This is why we do water baptism. It's a symbol of us dying and being resurrected. It's a symbol of us, the old life being killed and put in the grave with all of its sins and all of its bents and the new life coming up righteous in Christ Jesus. And Paul is simply reminding the Colossians and reminding us to live that way. You died to this life and your real life is Christ now. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Harsh words from Paul, but he's reminding the people, Why did God punish people in the Old Testament? Why was God's wrath coming? And and the biggest thing that God was angry about was their idolatry. They were trusting in other things other than God. They were running to other things besides God. And in our life, that's, that's what we tend to do. We tend to run to other things instead of God to give us the comfort we need, the peace we need, the security we need. We don't let God be God. We kind of build idols around our life. And he's saying, don't mix the two. Don't be a believer that says, I trust Jesus and my psychic. Don't be a believer that says, you know, I I trust this, but then I'm also trusting this other thing. There is no backup plan. Jesus is the the plan. He's plan A, and that's it. There's no plan B. He's saying, be pure and how... You act, be pure in how you, who you are. And he goes on to say, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it is time. It's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off the old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The more you know Jesus, the more you look like Jesus. 
the more you know your, your God, the more these things are evident in your life. You're learning to put on the new nature. And he goes, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in us all. So what's he saying? He's saying it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where your family is or who you're not. Jesus is the main thing. Once you give your life to Jesus, none of that defines you anymore. Jesus defines you. And so it, it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter that you can't use the excuse anymore of, well, that just runs in my family. You can't use the excuse anymore of, that's how I was raised. You can't use that excuse anymore. You have to get rid of it because you are new in Christ Jesus. You can't be offended. You can't live in unforgiveness. Because this is what verse 12 says, since God chose you to be holy, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So it's saying, take off all these things, put on the new life. Take off the old cotton garments or the old wool garments and put on clothes of linen, put on clothes of righteousness. Put on the holy, take off the unholy. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I say this all the time. You're, you have lost the right to be offended. As soon as you give your life to Jesus, you have lost the right to be offended. You have to give it to God. You have to love people. Because God loved you. God forgave you. I'm glad that God's not offended by me anymore. And so who am I to keep that towards myself? When I don't forgive, when I choose to live offended, I become God at that moment. I tell God, you don't know what you're doing. I'm going to hold, I'm going to be judge, juror, and executioner. Believers have no right to this at all. He says, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. He's saying simply this, take off the clothes of death and put on clothes of righteousness. The most repulsive thing to God is a person who is trying to wear both garments. When I was much, much younger in middle school, much younger, but I still remember it because I still smell it. We had what we call gym class, right? And it was all boys. And it was a whole hour. So we would, we would run and do gym class and we'd smell, right? Because you're a teenager and you're middle school and you just smell. Sorry, teenagers, I'm picking on you, middle schoolers. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Anyway, and so we would be in that class and we would be sweaty and we would go in to the locker room and, and some guys would shower, but most of us, we would just take off our gym clothes and put our clothes on right over our undergarments and no nothing, right? And so we would try to cover it up, wouldn't we? With the Axe body spray. You remember that stuff? They still have that stuff? Oh, man, they need to get rid of it. But we're like, hey, man, give me that. And you'd spray down with Axe body spray, but it didn't cover up anything. You just had this nasty-smelling musk 
with some Axe body spray. It, didn't, it was repulsive. And I think that's how it is towards God. And not only that, when we, when we try to live this dual personality, dual life, it's not only repulsive to God, but it's repulsive to people. Look, you're a priest. God has called you to shine the light of Christ everywhere you go. But too often, we're just trying to cover up. We're just trying to cover up that old life. And we come to church on Sunday and we cover it up. We praise God on Wednesday, maybe. But the rest of the week, we're just living in our gym clothes. And we don't, we never change. We never get to where God wants us to be. Look, my whole life was like that for a long time. Like I had Jesus, but nothing changed in my life. There was no difference. You couldn't see Jesus. And I'm telling you, if I told somebody I was a believer, they would be offended. Because they're like, oh, you're a Christian, but you don't act like a Christian. You talk this way, you act this way, you're unforgiving, you're mean to people, you're angry all the time. If you're a Christian and that's a Christian, I don't want to be that. So often I talk to people, people I love, and they said, yeah, I was at the store this week and this person was mean to me and I, I, you, know what, know what, you know what they said? Know what, knew what they said they were? I'm like a believer, right? Yep. Had the t-shirt, right? God, love God, love people. Too blessed to be stressed. You know, all the things. But yet, they treated this person horribly because they did something to offend them. Or they, you see it in restaurants. Look, when you go, I'm not going to get off on a soapbox here, but when you go eat after church, love those people. If the service is slow, praise God, you got more time to visit. If your food's cold, oh well. Praise God, you got food. If people ain't got food, don't take it out on those people. Love them. Show them Jesus. Don't be the smelly gym kid. All right, smell good when you walk. When you walk in, it should be like that gang commercial. Remember that gang commercial where the people would like smell the It'd be weird. They'd be like smelling them and stuff. That's how, it, that's how we should be. Like when we walk into an environment, people should be like, oh, what is that? Oh, my God, that smells so good. What is that smell? And he'd be like, that's Jesus. Yeah, you're smelling Jesus. Do you smell like Jesus? Do you draw people into Jesus? Our lives should look different. Our lives should be full of mercy and gentleness, patience and humility. Our lives should reflect Christ. See, if we don't understand our call to purity, we're not only hindering our others from coming to Christ, like I said, but we're hindering what God wants to do in our lives. And this is why we have done this whole series, guys to be set apart as he is set apart, to, to let our lives look wildly different from the rest of the world. For our lives to reflect Christ, for us to be a pure church, a, a holy church, for, us to, for our lives to, to be different where people would see us and, and want what we have, that we don't have to force it, that as soon as we walk in, they smell Jesus. 
And if we're not walking in purity, we actually forfeit the presence of God in our life. We don't want to be hindered. We don't want our faith to be sidetracked. And this is why God gives these people this priority of pureness, purity, when he says, don't be yoked with different things. Don't yoke the ox and the donkey. Well, the physical principle is the, the ox is going to do all the work, right? He's stronger. He's bigger. It's, it's an unequal yoke. And the donkey is just along for the ride. Spiritually, there's people that you're yoked with. They're just along for the ride. You're doing all the work because they don't know who Jesus is. And this is why in 2 Corinthians 6, 11, Paul writes to the church and he's, he's telling them, come on, you're pure. He's calling them up. He's not calling them out. He's calling them up. And he's saying this, 2 Corinthians 6, 11, O Corinthians, O church, we have spoken openly to you. Your heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. He's saying, look, it's not our teaching that's keeping you from coming, from growing in Christ. It's not what we're doing that's keeping you from experiencing all that God has for you. He's saying, it's your misplaced affections. You're living in this world and, and, out of, and you're trying to live in both kingdoms at the same time. You're trying to, to plant crops in the same soil. You're trying to mix fabrics. You're, you're unyoked. You're un, unequally yoked with these people. And it's keeping you, it's hindering you from growing in your faith. He goes, it's your fault. It's not our fault. You have something to do. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. If I can get the worship team to come up at this moment. Look, he's not telling us we can't have unsafe friends. He's just saying, be careful who you yoke with. Be careful who you tie your life to. He's not, he, if, if we tried to not be with unbelievers, we would just stay here all the time. But God's called us to go out. And so he's not saying that. He's just saying, don't partner with what they partner with. Don't partner with their unbelief. Don't partner with their unfaithfulness. Don't partner with the things that the world partners with. Partner with Jesus. Be yoked to him. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says, come to me all of you heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you for it is easy to bear. We are yoked to Jesus Christ, no one else. For we are the temple of God. So how can we have idols in our life? How can we look to other things to give us hope and joy and peace? You're not going to have it. In this promise, that, that Paul reminds the church, he goes, I will dwell in them. This is God's words. I will dwell in them. 
If you do this, if you keep away from these things, if you're pure, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, and this is the command, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and you and I will receive you. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Paul was telling the church, and I'm telling you today, you, if you're not living your life for him, if you're half in and half out, you're never going to experience the fullness of his presence. You're never going to experience everything that he has for you. You got you to get rid of all that stuff. You know, I don't know what, what's in your life that needs to go, but God knows. And if you're a believer, he's given you the Holy Spirit to show you. And so I pray that you listen to him and that whatever that you need to get rid of, maybe it's something in your house you need to get rid of. Maybe it's something in your heart that needs to go. Maybe it's something in your mind that needs to go. Ask the Lord, Lord, what is keeping me from experiencing you fully? What is keeping me from being holy and pure? And then he says, I will receive you. I'll be your father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, these are promises. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, inside and out, clean, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's the key. Do you fear God? Are you fear, do you fear of being separate from God? The fear of the Lord is simply fearing being separate from him. Like his presence, not in my life. That's terrifying to me because I know his presence in my life. And those things help you become pure. And so church, we must be pure. We cannot touch the defiled things. We cannot partner with unbelievers in their actions and thoughts. We must not seek after what they seek after. Loved ones, we have a high calling. When we fail to live set apart, we forfeit his presence in our lives. As Paul says, you are restricted by your own affections. Be separate. Live in the purity he has set apart for you. He dwells in you, walks among you. In Revelation, it talks about Jesus walking among his churches, walking among the lampstands. He fills the oil. He moves them where they need to be. You are the church. He walks among you. What would he say of you? Would he remove your stand or would he move it to a place of darkness so that you can shine? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. I pray that you hear his voice today because if we don't, we're in danger of being dragged, down, dragged back down into the place where God found you in the first place. Peter says, don't go back to that old life. There's no life there. It's only death. Take off your grave clothes, put on life. Get unyoked from what what's bringing you down and yoke up to Jesus. Tie up to Jesus. Stop trying to live in two different kingdoms and live in God's kingdom. And while I was praying for this message, I was on my face, had no direction. I was like, Lord, what do you want to tell your people this week? Because they're your people. That makes my job so much easier when, they're, when, they're, when y'all are his. I said, God, what do you want to say? 
And he gave me this, and I, pr- I pray that you receive it. And I pray that it penetrates your heart and that you don't take offense, but you take action. Feel the Lord say, come out from among them and be separate. Take off your grave clothes, put on clothes of righteousness. I have called you to be holy in all things, to be a set apart, to be pure. Don't let the filth of this world stain your garments. Don't touch the filthy things. Don't touch the dead things. Be full of life. Be full of hope. Keep your eyes on me. Oh, I make you shine. Only I can make you clean. Stop living half in and half out. Stop mixing your threads. Stop pulling the yoke and let me lead. Stop planting your seeds with another crop. You are righteous. You are holy. I've called you to a purpose and a plan. You you are meant for heaven, not for this world. I made you for a better purpose and a better plan. Strip off the old nature, put on the new. See what I can do. I made you new. I've made you clean. Why would you want to return to the pig pen? Why would you want the filth and the stain? Why go back to what enslaved you? You didn't know any better then, but now you know me. You've tasted and seen that I am good. Come back to me. Throw out your idols. Throw out your unholy books. Throw out your Ouija boards. Throw out your crystals. Stop looking to the stars for answers. Stop your sorcery and your witchcraft. Stop your manipulation and trust me. I am the Lord, your God. Father, God, help us to remove everything that is not from you. God, thank you for this word. It's hard. But God, you've called us to better things. You've called us to leave clean and pure lives so that we can shine for you. God, I pray for those in here today, God, that we would rise up to the occasion. Lord, that you would call them up out of the pit and into the place of honor. God, that you would make us who you've called us to be, that we would be holy and pure and undefiled. We thank you, Jesus, for this. So this is what, how I want to end this part. I feel like this is a moment when I read, when I read that passage, now is the time. Now is the time. Well, now is the time. And so as a declaration of saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, let me live pure lives. We're going to take a stand and say, Lord, from now on, I'm living for you. And so right now, what I want you to do, if that's you and you're like, man, I need to change. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a step of faith. It's a stand of faith. And so if that's you, that's what I want you to say. I'm, I'm going to make a, I'm going to paint a point right now. And I'm taking a stand against the enemy. I, I'm taking a stand against all these things that are coming against me. I'm taking a stand and I'm walking into purity. Just go and stand up right now. Just as, as, a, as a declaration of faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. It takes takes a lot of faith to stand up. 
But I'm going to ask you to take another step. Would you take a step saying, Lord, I'm your bride and I'm coming to you. I'm your bride and I want to be radiant and pure and beautiful when you return. And men, this is hard for you. I get it. But men, you are called. God has called you. He has set you apart. You are the priest of your home. I can't be the priest of your home. You are the priest of your home. The kids pastor can't be the priest of your kids. You are the priest of your kids. And so this is a statement for you saying, Lord, I'm going to step into that place. I'm going to come forward. And from this moment on, Lord, I'm living for you in all things. And so as a step of faith, I'm just going to have you come to the altar and I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you and ask God to help solidify this moment. So just come on up. Lord Jesus, draw them on. Father God, we all want to be pure. We all want to be worthy. God, you have done so much for us. You have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, let us just live that way, God. Let us live set apart. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let us not be guilty when you come. Let us not be ashamed when you come, Lord. Let us have our eyes fixed on you saying, thank you that you are coming for me. I have no shame in my heart, no regrets. I followed you, Lord, with everything that I am. Thank you, Lord, for those that are up here. So, Father God, I pray for these people that came forward, Lord. Would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you make your face shine upon them and give them peace? God, I pray that you would anoint them, that they would live in purity all their days of their life. Lord, that, that when they go home, Holy Spirit, that you would show them everything that needs to be gone. In their lives, Lord, I pray that they would get rid of everything in their hearts that is contrary to your holiness. Lord, everything in their minds that, that tends to invade their minds and their thought life, Lord, would you remove it? Would you set a wall up? Would you keep those thoughts from entering their, their minds? Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, purify us, make us pure and make us righteous. Lord, we repent right now, God. We're sorry, God, for, for going to other things. I'm sorry, God, for, for running to other things. God, you are all we need. You are all we want. And Father God, bless these people. Help them to live pure lives, set apart lives. And God, through them, shake a nation. Through them, shake this community. Through them, God, shake their households. Thank you, Jesus, that you have called us and want us to be a part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.